Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you're having an outstanding start to your Tuesday. It obviously was a monumental night for the Braves heading to the heading to LA to face the Dodgers. Many different narratives that certainly played out for the Braves and the Dodgers. We'll discuss that in just a moment. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer and the Battery Power Podcast and the Road to Atlanta Podcast all as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network free on all podcast platforms. Please subscribe. You you want the best coverage when it comes to the Braves. Look no further than than the Battery Power Podcast Network, which you can also find at BatteryPower.com and at BatteryPowerSB and across all forms of social media. My name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest from Atlanta. So obviously it was a pretty special night for many when it came to the Braves and the Dodgers. It was a night of reunions as obviously the Braves were going to be facing Freddie Freeman for the first time since Freddie Freeman signed with the Dodgers. And it was also the return of Braves closer Kenley Jansen to his home over the past several years, which was, of course, Dodger Stadium in L.A. And it was a night for many reunions. Obviously, it was a day full of emotions for Freddie Freeman. We saw several of the interviews that he gave. It obviously came across, you know, in my opinion, it came across very, you know, there was a lot of sincerity about Freddie Freeman knowing that, you know, how special his time was with Atlanta, how excited he was to see his former teammates and, you know, former coaches, obviously Alex Anthopoulos as well, and it was also a bit emotional, you know, as it was just a realization with, you know, Freddie Freeman and probably several of the Braves that, you know, it probably has been a bit surreal, you know, it probably hasn't felt like that, you know, this is how things are going to be from now on, this may have been, you know, kind of, you know, a, a reminder of just, you know, how permanent things are now, not anything negative, this is a situation that, you know, obviously you're excited, has played out well for everybody involved, but there probably was a bit of a feeling of like, okay, this is a reminder that this is how things are going to be from now on. And of course, obviously, though it didn't work out that well for the Braves, Freddie Freeman took advantage of the opportunity, hitting a home run in his first at bat, his first official home run as a Dodger, coming in his first at bat as a Dodger against the Braves. Before we get into the game, though, I wanted the opportunity to be a pretty exciting opportunity as I got the chance to talk with someone that I have come to know and a fellow 
huge, huge Braves fan. His name is Lang Whitaker. I've had the pleasure of getting to know Lang a bit over the past few weeks. We both covered the Grizzlies. Lang for Grind City Media, and Lang has also been, you know, covering the NBA in a variety of capacities for nearly two decades, but he is a major Braves fan as well, and also is an author of a Braves book that he wrote about a decade ago, but I had the opportunity before the game started to sit down with Lang and talk with him and talk about just how special Freddie Freeman's time with the Braves was and how things are going to change moving forward. Here's my interview with Lang Whitaker, and then after that, we'll come back and break down Game 1 of the Dodgers and Braves series in L.A. be able to bring in someone who I've had the pleasure of getting to know, fellow gentleman who covers the Grizzlies. He covers the Grizzlies for Grind City Media, but Georgia native, big Bulldog, big Braves fans, worked for Slam, worked for GQ, NBA.com. You know him as Langer, who has obviously had many roots in Georgia and is a huge Braves fan as well. Lang, thank you so much for taking the time to join me this evening. Hope all's well in your area, sir. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. It's a it's a momentous night in, in Braves country uh, for the, the return of Freddie Freeman. Well, I guess not the return, but the, the first time we're seeing Freddie since he left. So, uh, no, I, I appreciate you having me on. It's been something I've been looking forward to in quite a while. Obviously, you know, myself and Lane, we cover the Grizzlies. I know many Braves fans are big Hawks fans as well. So we're all enjoying the NBA playoffs, but baseball is here. And Lang and myself, you know, we kind of got to a talking last year during the Braves World Series run. And, and Lang wrote a great piece for GrindCityMedia.com. Has been a huge Braves fan for many, many years now. And Lang, let's start there. Obviously, the Braves won the World Series title. It was the perfect ending to what we didn't know at the time was the end of the Freddie Freeman era. But just when you look back over the past 12 years being a big Braves fan, what did Freddie mean to you? I mean, you know, he he meant so much to so many, but what exactly did he mean to you? Someone who covers sports, I mean, not baseball directly, but just a big Braves fan who who had the joy of watching Freddie for years. I, uh, to, I the first time I remember seeing him or hearing about him was when he was in the minors and he and Hayward were like the two, you know, up and comers. And uh, I, I wrote a book a couple of years ago. Uh, now, now it's more than a couple, but I wrote a book years ago about growing up as a fan of the Braves called In the Time of Bobby Cox. And uh, when I was working on that book, I went to the Braves spring training down in Orlando. And um, the first day I was there, walked out on the field and Freddie was taking batting practice and um, had never seen him in person, didn't know anything about him, but I watched him hit and I was like, all right, well, clearly this guy's <laughs> guy really good. So I kind of had an eye on him all, you know, the, the last couple months he was in the minors till he got to the majors and then got to watch him. And I think really what he meant to me was baseball to me is like sort of for, for those of us who watch a team every night, whether it's the Braves or whatever your team is, baseball to me is it, it's, it's sort of a constant in our lives, right? Because there's so many games and the games take so long. And so I know every night, I get home from work, I make dinner, whatever we eat, and then I can turn on the game. And for the next three hours, I know what I'm doing. Um, you can get up, you can walk out of the room and, you know, you might miss a pitch here or there, but you're not going to miss that much. And it's just the the perfect background to my summer, basically, my spring, summer, fall. And and for the last dozen years, Freddie was part of that, every single game. And, and you knew he was going to be playing first base and hitting fourth or second or whatever they had him at during that time. But uh, Freddie was, was, you know, we saw Hayward come and go. We saw all these other guys come and go, but Freddie was there. He was always there. And, and you knew that he was going to be that guy who was going to, you know, hit for power, hit for average. He, they would 
shift him and he would still try to hit it over the shift every time he would scoop balls out of the dirt at first. And he, he, to me was really just sort of that almost a connective tissue between the, the nineties Braves, the Bobby Cox era and, and what it is now um, the snicker Braves, I guess. So um, I don't know. I, I guess that's how I would look at it to, to me is Freddie was, was sort of that constant. Um, the, the one thing that kind of, you can, you can point to him as the tie between today and, and a dozen years ago. Yeah. And that's the thing about it. When you look at the Braves, we, you know, we, we, we've had a lot of, of luck in having one of baseball's best be in the face of our franchise, Hank Aaron to Dale Murphy, to Chipper Jones, to Freddie Freeman, you know, someone that's not just a baseball player, but really seems to be one of the best examples of, of what the game is a citizen of Atlanta that people love for the person, but also for being a baseball player. And I think that that's what stands out about Freddie Freeman just as much. He was a great ball player, an outstanding ball player, better than anybody could have expected but he was one of the best ambassadors for the game, one of the best people to play the game. And, and that's what made it so special to see him blossom and, and lead us to a World Series title in 2021. No, yeah, totally. Um, I, you know, to have a guy like that who, who um, was really just all about baseball, you know, it was never about himself. It was never about off the field stuff. It was never the endorsements, anything like that. Like, you know, with Freddie, it was always about baseball. Um, and I, I think that's pretty special today, um, you know, the, the way the world works, the way sports works, even like even when he left and he did a post on Instagram, like that was pretty rare for him to, <laughs> to do a thing like that. Um, and so, I, you know, I think with Freddie that that it was in a lot of ways like a throwback to, to the athletes we heard about growing up, the way that, you know, uh, DiMaggio and and Hank Aaron and those guys were like, you know, it, it was a guy who was about about baseball and. Um, and it was kind of fun to have that guy as the face of our team um, for a long time. I, and, I, you know, Ronald Acuna is my favorite player right now. He's about as opposite as you could be from Freeman in those regards. You know, he's like active on social media and uh, all these other things. And, and I love that. But it was kind of cool to have a guy like that, like Freddie, uh, as the face of our team. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk about Freddie being outstanding and I'm sure, you know, from, from your perspective, it's going to be a bit odd seeing him play, you know, tonight, you know, in a Dodgers uniform, but just overall your thoughts from how the situation was handled, you know, after the lockout into the off season, listen, it was a bit awkward. You know, it was always going to be, if it didn't wind up with him back in Atlanta, but when you really considered Freddie, the outcome for Freddie, who the Braves replaced him with, and the outcome for the Braves, I think it was a best-case scenario for everybody involved, and that's really the way that it should be looked at. You know, to each their own on how the how you view it, but it's one of those rare situations where everybody involved, really, it was the best-case scenario in the way that it worked out. Yeah, I don't think you can say that that we didn't get the best out of Freddie for the last dozen years, right? Like, I mean, he, he was unbelievable for this team. Um, for this franchise, for this fan base, for this city, all these different things. Freddie was incredible. And we, we really, um, whatever they paid him over that time period, he was worth it, um, you know, compared to other players and everything else. We got a World Series out of it. Um, it was amazing. Um, at the same time, uh, the, what they managed to do to replace him, I, I, I don't know if you can look at that objectively and not say that was great. That You know, they got a really good deal. They got a young guy who's an Atlanta native who can hit for power, who can field, do all these things, seems like a great person and all the other things you look for in a player. Like that, that's, that's a great trade to get a younger player um, at a, at a pretty good value contract also long-term. And now you've got, 
you know, him and, and Ozzy and, and, and Acuna locked up long-term and, and, you know, you can start filling in these other guys around them. So I, I, I think just if you look at it objectively, you can, you can say, okay, it's a good deal. Like we, we got younger, we got, you know, arguably better. Um, you're going to lose a lot of memories and a lot of nostalgia and things like that. But sometimes those are the hard choices you have to make in life. And, uh, and the Braves had to make those choices. I, I mean, I think as soon as we went into the lockout without him having signed that extension, it, the writing seemed to be kind of on the wall. And I think all of us looked at it like, oh, okay, well, right, I think we see what's happening here. But it didn't make it any easier to swallow when it actually did happen. But at some point, you got to go, you know, you got to move on and things like that happen, you know. I, I mean, I, I remember when Smoltz left, when when Glavin left, you know, like those those things happened eventually. And you know, it doesn't mean you can't go home again, but uh, it, it does take a little bit of getting used to, I guess, right? And the other thing that adds to it is, is that, you know, a, a best case scenario for him, he got his payday he was looking for, he returns home. The only unfortunate thing is he's returning home to the Dodgers. And, yeah. and that yeah. is likely who is going to be the Braves' number one rival in the National League, it seems, over the next five or so years, as these teams really are in that World Series window. You know, last year we see the Braves beat the Dodgers. Lang, I know that you've been keeping close tabs on that that Braves-Dodgers rivalry for the past decade. When you really look at the addition of Freeman, you obviously look at the addition of Olsen to the Braves. I know the Dodgers have gotten off to a great start. The Braves have kind of struggled. Just how do you think both teams stack going into this series and in general so far this season? Well, I think if we learned anything from the Braves, especially last season, it's that you know, what happens in April and May and June, like it doesn't matter as much as what happens in August and September. Right. So, so, uh, and we've also like, you know, like you and I both cover basketball and watch baseball and all these other things. Like we, sometimes we've seen teams put together and you look at it and you're like, Oh my gosh, look at this roster. This is going to be amazing. And then it doesn't always work out on the field the way it looks on paper. I mean, you're seeing it in New York right now with the Mets, right? Like, so we see it time and again. And, and so I, I always like when the Dodgers put together this all-star team, you look at it and you're like, okay, well, you know, I, I get it. But at the same time I can say, well, let's see what happens. Let's see how it plays out. Let's see how it ha- works on the field. So you can throw all this money at it, but it doesn't always work. So if I'm the Braves, I, I think, well, look, they, the Braves had to be um, prudent at some point with their money and with the future and figuring out what to do. And, you know, Freddie left and went home and we all knew that was probably the likeliest outcome there with whether it was LA or, or Anaheim, but it seemed like he was going to go back to California one way or the other. And, and, uh, that he went to the Dodgers, if anything, it just gives us a little bit more to root against them. I think <laughs> for Braves fans. That's a great point. Great point. And, and let's though get to the other news that, you know, I know the Braves are playing Freddie Freeman right now, but the other big news is tomorrow, Ronald Acuna Jr. returns to the diamond for the Stripers for the first time in nine months. You just said that he was your favorite player as he is yeah. for many, many fans, but it, it, it kind of is a, a bit, you know, odd when you think about it. He hasn't played since mid July of last year. So much has happened. But when he comes back, this legitimately is his team. Like, there's no doubt about it. Ronald Acuna Jr. is the face of this franchise, the foundation of this franchise. And, you know, we have had the pleasure of covering John Morant for the Grizzlies. I know uh, the Hawks fans have the pleasure of seeing uh, Trey Young play for the Hawks. But just that young, dynamic talent who, who just you're so excited to see play. How excited are you to see Ronald Acuna come back when he truly is taking over that mantle as face of the franchise? 
Yeah, I was thinking about it this morning. I, I was at the gym and I, they had an interview. They had to sit down with uh, Ronald on ESPN and, and he was talking about coming back and what it was like watching the World Series last year and not being a part of it. And he was saying, you know, I, I want to get back and, and play in the World Series. Like that's the goal now is to get back to the World Series and, and to play in it and to win one as a player on the field. And it made me think about, you know, last year at the uh, trade deadline when the Braves went out and added all those hitters and everything else. And you know, this year, whenever he does get back, which sounds like it might be sooner than later, um, you're basically, instead of adding like a complimentary piece, instead of adding a fourth outfielder or an extra utility guy or whatever, like you're adding the best player on the team, <laughs> arguably. I mean, I, I, I'm sure when he comes back, he's not going to be exactly where he was when he got hurt, but you're going to add a five-tool player, whatever it is, however many tools there are, this guy checks all those boxes and he's unbelievable and he's still so young and um, you know, I, I think the success rate usually for younger guys like that bouncing back is pretty good. So I, I feel like to, 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 if you're the Braves, if you get off to a slow start, you look at it and you're like, well, you know, we, we have all these other pieces in place. Let's get those guys going. And then you, then you can add a, a Ronald Acuna Jr. on top of that. Like that's pretty remarkable. So I, I just can't wait to get him back. I, I know it, like at this point he's been gone so long, like you kind of just think, oh, well, you know, we Hopefully he gets back and all that. We kind of forget just how dynamic he was and how incredible he was before he got hurt, even though it's only been not even a year, like you said. So um, I, I'm that's what I'm really excited to see him get back and, and get healthy. And I, I wish I was closer to Atlanta to go down to Gwinnett and go catch a Stripers game this weekend. Yep, and we're here with Lane Whit Whitaker, who's been kind enough to join us. And Lane, I'll ask one last question. You know, I know we talk about Freddie Freeman. We talk about Ronald, obviously, plenty of young talents out there. But just your impression so far of the young pitching. You know, Kyle Wright certainly looks very impressive from his spring training. Spencer Strider showing his potential. Bryce Elder has come in. We've got a lot of young pitching. Listen, it's not it's not Maddox Smoltzenglav, and it's not yeah. even, you know, the, the, the Max Reed, Mike Soroka era probably. But it's just nice to see some of this starting pitching really step into their own at a time when we really needed it it's nice to see though the record may not be there so far the production yeah. from those young arms has been yeah for sure i mean forever we see teams and the braves you know when they were kind of in that rebuilding phase going out and getting all these young arms and you you know young arms are, are one thing but putting them in the minors until they can actually do something in the majors they're just young arms right they're just guys who are in the in the minors who are eating up innings and trying to get their chance. I, I thought Elder looked really good to me. I, I know he struggled and was kind of in and out and um, had had some walks in situations where you wouldn't want to walk guys. But I loved his poise. I love his moxie. I love how he throws all these different pitches and he's not afraid to, to come in on guys and um, uh, freed. I get to, we consider him a young arm or no, because he's still young. I, I, hey, he's younger than he's younger than me at the very least. So I'll, I'll say he is. <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I think you know when you have guys like that, you have a a Max Fried who's twenty eight, but then like you know Kyle Wright's twenty six, um, Elder's twenty three, Ian Anderson's twenty four, uh, Enoa's twenty four. You know, I, I mean, those are a lot of young arms and Strider being able to to contribute right away. We got to do something about the mustache, though. I'm not a big fan of the mustache. Um, he looks like he's a, a cop or something uh, on chips from the eighties, but. Um, but I, I love I love that we have these younger guys who are now able to contribute and, and play a part. Um, and, you know, you have these guys like a Charlie Morton who can come in there and um, sort of – I heard one of the pitchers talk about Charlie Morton being sort of to the pitching staff what Freddie Freeman was to, to the uh, infield players as that veteran leader type player. And, um, 
you know, having all these young guys, having Charlie Morton there, and now adding Jansen and and having Will Smith and the way Matzik's like the the pitching is actually kind of for the first time in a long time maybe one of the least of our problems right now. Uh, now we got to get everybody going offensively, and I think we're going to be fine. You know, Lane, you brought up a good idea because you know if you, if you follow Braves Twitter for long enough, you're going yeah. to see at least five to ten new Twitter accounts on inanimate objects that are out there. Strider's stash seems <laughs> like it's going to be a Twitter account, but but before the week is up, it might already his be. Name- <laughs> it very much may be. It very much may be. His name is Lane Whitaker. Obviously mentioned he's a part of the great uh, coverage over at Grind City Media covering the Grizzlies. Coach of Grizz Gaming, the odd couple as well on Grind Media, but also the author of In the Time of Bobby Cox, the Atlanta Braves, their manager, my couch, two decades in me, available wherever books are sold in huge Atlanta Braves fan, just a very talented sports mind, very kind person as well. Lane, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I am glad to be able to do it. uh, I wish we'd done it sooner, and let's do it again soon. Will do. Will do. His name is Lang Whitaker. Thanks so much. And obviously, we've got plenty more to talk about when it comes to the Braves and Dodgers. We'll be back in just a moment. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So certainly, again, want to thank Lane Whitaker for taking the time to talk with us and an outstanding sports mind when it comes to sports in general, but also just a passionate Braves fan. It was great to get his perspective of Freddie Freeman's time with the Braves and obviously the Braves moving on you know, to a new era of baseball while Freddie can start a new era of baseball on his end with the Dodgers. Well, while some, while many things have changed, some things remain the same. And the Braves visiting Dodger Stadium over the past, you know, decade plus has certainly not resulted in, in a lot of great moments, you know, unless you count the 2021 World Series run. But as many predicted last night, it worked out as many of us thought it would. Waskar, you know, versus Clayton Kershaw, you know, on the road against the Dodgers just did not work out at all. Following Freddie Freeman's home run, the Dodgers were just very, very confident in their approach towards um, Waskar Yanoa, and they were able to put together, you know, outside of Freddie's home run, they were able to put together a five-run fourth inning. Overall, Waskar Yanoa went 3.2 innings, gave up four hits, five earned runs, four walks, and four strikeouts. Following that, Sean Newcomb came in and gave up some damage as well. So there were some questionable decisions last night if you wanted to Brian Snicker's approach because the Braves eventually were able to come 
come back. The Braves were able to eventually find some success. Home runs from Guillermo Heredia, as well as Ozzy Albies, and some contributing hits from Adam Duvall, as well as Travis Darno. The Braves were able to come back 6-4, to four, but then unfortunately, the Braves could not figure out the Dodgers' bullpen. Cody Bellinger added on an insurance run with a home run himself in the bottom of the eighth, and the Dodgers won 7-4. So this is exactly what many had predicted, right? This is exactly what turned out, you know, happening in the end. So no surprise, obviously with Waskar, you know, facing off against Clayton Kershaw in Dodger Stadium, it worked out as many of us had anticipated. But even though what worked out is what we anticipated, we still obviously have to deal with the fact that there are certainly some, you know, discouraging signs when it comes to Waskar Yanoa and his spot in the Braves rotation. We've already seen Bryce Elder be shifted up to a higher spot in the rotation and Waskar you know would be the sixth man and now we're looking at a rotation of Max Freed, Charlie Morton, Ian Anderson, Kyle Wright and Bryce Elder and you would have to think that if the Braves were to continue on with this six man rotation moving forward perhaps Waskar you know his spot in that rotation becomes open. You've got Spencer Strider who has looked phenomenal over good stretches over you know multiple inning stretches and multiple outings this year. You've got Tucker Davidson. You've got Kyle Muller. This is where the Braves had the luxury of trying out many different arms that could fill out rotation spots until they're ready to go back to a five-man rotation, until they feel that they've stretched out their starters enough to truly go to a five-man rotation. So it'll be very interesting to see the next time that Waskar Yanoa's rotation spot comes up, does someone else potentially start in his place? Now, Waskar Yanoa coming away from the starting rotation, if he's not meant to be a part of the starting rotation moving forward, that doesn't mean that the Braves cannot utilize his arm as a bullpen arm. Waskar Yanoa still has electric stuff at times. It's just unfortunately his control has not been there this year for him to be trusted multiple times through the opposing order. So I would imagine that it will be very interesting to see what happens with Waskar Yanoa's rotation spot and how he's potentially utilize moving forward and who may step up into the rotation in his place. But obviously, so last night didn't work out. You know, it worked out as many of us thought it would. It didn't work out in terms of the Braves' fortunes. Well, this time around, the Braves certainly have to feel at least a bit more confident in the fact that they're going to have their two aces on the mound to end this West Coast road trip before a much-deserved day off. Tonight, you've got Max Freed versus Walker Buehler, a matchup of pitchers who've had plenty of postseason success and regular season experience against the teams that they're facing tonight. You obviously have to hope that the Braves will be able to find some success like they did against Walker Buehler in the playoffs the last time that they faced him. But of course with Max Freed, you know, the numbers are, this season so far when it comes to his starts, they haven't necessarily been indicative of how good he's been for stretches of his starts at times. But the Braves certainly could use Max Freed putting together one of his dominant starts if you will. It's going to be hard to do it against a lineup as good as the Dodgers, but Max Freed putting together a start where if the Braves can get a couple of early runs, Max Freed can do the job to limit the damage and allow for the Braves to maintain the lead through five, six, seven innings of work for Max Freed. That would be an ideal development 
for Freed and the Braves, especially after the bullpen was used a bit earlier than some had hoped it would be last night. But of course, it's going to be a very, very tough pitching matchup for the Braves. You have to hope that they're going to find a way to be able to win at least one of their next two with both Freed and Morton on the mound before they get the off day on Thursday and before they head home to start a series against the Marlins. But if there is a bit of an encouraging sign, the bottom of the order also produced a bit better last night than it usually had. Eddie Rosario was able to get his second into the season. Guillermo Heredia went deep again himself. Ozzie Albies produced as well. The top of the order had six combined hits. So the Braves overall were able to make contact against the Dodgers pitching. But also, this is the second straight game. The Braves lineup had zero walks on the night. You certainly hope that that's something that changes so that the Braves might more consistently have chances to score runs. It's certainly going to be a fun night. It's going to be a very exciting pitcher's duel. The Braves have had some success in recent years against Walker Buehler, especially when it comes to the long ball. Hopefully they'll be able to find an opportunity to get one or two big hits early, give some support to Max Freed, and Max Freed can deliver and being able to give the Braves a much-needed victory. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power Podcast, the Road to Atlanta Podcast, all at BatteryPower.com, as well as at Battery Power SBN across all forms of social media. Cannot thank Lang Whitaker enough for taking the time to join us on this edition of the Daily Hammer. Just excellent perspective on his end. You can find him at Lang Whitaker on Twitter. You can find myself at StatsSAC. Until next time, it's going to be a lot of fun seeing the Braves and Dodgers face each other once again. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Daily Hammer. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.